Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is the 9th of February, 2022, and it's quite possible that you are hearing Faith Radio for the very first time. And I would say to you, good morning, because if this is the very first time you've tuned into Faith Radio, it's possible that you're listening on KLMP 88.3 in Rapid City, the latest member of the Faith Radio family. So, whoop, whoop, whoop. Welcome, 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 Rapid City and... Um, there you go. So here's a little confession to all of you listening in Rapid City. That is not a live studio audience. So I am Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. And the person that makes um, great things like that happen is Paul Perot. And the whoop whoop. Yeah. So, um, Paul, greet the people. Welcome the people in Rapid City today. Do you want me to do like we did? For whom whom it's like mountain time. It is mountain time. So it's really Mm -hmm. early, just about five after five in the morning. Mm -hmm. Hey, good morning. I already love the Rapid City people because they're up at five after five in the morning. There you go. There you go. But well, do you want me to do the welcome like we did when Des Moines joined us a couple months ago? Yes, please. That would be so fantastic. Really? Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Good morning, Black Hills. There you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So um, for those of you listening for the first time, I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen. Faith Radio is your network. You can find us at MyFaithRadio.com. We'd love to know that you're listening and formally welcome you by sending you a little welcome pack. So please just go to MyFaithRadio.com or text the word welcome to 877-933-2484. That's a number you're going to want to put in your phone. You can put it, well, you can put it under Faith Radio. You can just put it under, you know, Carmen. There you go. You might not have a lot of Carmens in your phone, so there you go. 877-933-2484. The text line is open throughout the program. Uh, and so we welcome you to text in pretty much anything, you know, keep it keep it clean, but text in uh, anything. We take prayer concerns, comments. Uh, It's the place where when we're giving away books, um, you will enter drawings and all kinds of other things. So 877-933-2484. What are we doing on Mornings with Carmen? Well, we are seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of this day. And so let's see on the Canadian border, on the Northern Front today, Uh, You all are already aware uh, of the trucker convoy. The trucker convoy is now quite a blockade uh, at the U.S.-Canadian border over the Ambassador Bridge. That um, very important land crossing, it's actually the busiest land crossing from the U.S. to Canada, shut down by part of the protest. Trucks um, also paralyzing, continue to paralyze uh, the city of Ottawa. And so a little more than two weeks ago, Canadian truckers in cities across the country started forming convoys and heading toward Ottawa, uh, the nation's capital, to protest the government's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. 
So you may recall that several months ago, the Trudeau administration announced that as of November 30th, the vaccination for COVID-19 would be required for, quote, travel within and outside of Canada. To to minimize disruptions, there were certain groups who were exempted from the mandate until January 15th, uh, and that included, well, truckers who are considered essential workers. And so um, if you're wondering, yes, the Department of Homeland Security in the United States also uh, exempted travelers uh, returning to the U.S. until January the 22nd. But so now in order to cross the U.S.-Canadian border, you have to be vaccinated. It's pretty much just that simple. Uh, Any trucker that wants to haul goods across the border, any person who wants to pass over the border, you know, has to show proof of vaccination. So that's really what uh, started all of this. However, a lot of other people have joined in and the protests that are associated with the convoy have not all been, let's say, God honoring. And so I think that as Christians, one of the things that we want to recognize and acknowledge is that there's a right way and many, many wrong ways to bring our concerns to the forefront, to let our concerns be known. Um, we are going to respect others, and we are certainly going to respect authority. Um, we are not going to um, engage with people in a way that is dehumanizing, and we're certainly not going to um, malign the name of Christ or use Christian symbols uh, in, in our attempt to get our way in some sort of public arena or dispute. So let me just remind everybody that Ephesians 4.29 says... Let no corrupting talk. And I think that for those of us who are freedom of speech advocates and recognize um, the full scope of what is contained in speech, let me suggest that Ephesians 4.29 applies to all varieties of speech. The stuff you put on signs, the stuff you say, the way you blare your horn at two in the morning. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. So how is it that even in your protest, even as you are raising your concerns about what's going on in the culture, how is it that you are doing it as an extension of grace? So in the culture, we often use uh, words uh, among Christians in conversations that we assume everyone understands. My guess is that you assume everyone understands the meaning of the word grace, I just used it with the assumption that you knew what it meant. But we also use words like holiness or even the word sin. So what does holiness mean and how has holiness morphed over time in the Western world? And in what ways has it actually given way to idolatry? That conversation next with Professor Jeff Bilbro. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio. Yeah, it's a big ten four there, big ten. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. It was a dark little moon on the 6th of June. And- As the earth brings forth, from the sea. Joining me now, Jeff Bilbro. You can find him at Grove City College. You can also find him at Front Porch Republic. We're going to talk about the contents of The Water Dipper, which is an aggregated blog that he posts. Uh, Jeff, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. 
Good morning, Carmen. Do you want to say good morning for the very first time to uh, the people in the Black Hills of South Dakota who are joining us in a very brand new signal that we have acquired in Rapid City, South Dakota? Yeah, good morning, South Dakota. I think I think the last time I was on Des Moines, or maybe two, maybe a couple times ago, it was Des Moines was the first time. So you, I know God keeps, ex- yeah, keeps expanding our tent pegs. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's very, very exciting. It's very exciting. All right, so Jeff, let's talk about holiness and let's talk about the migration of the holy. Where where are we reading about this, um, and why should we be reading Paul King's North? Yeah, I feel like we've talked about Paul Kingsnorth a couple of times, but uh, he's a really interesting, thoughtful uh, writer in Ireland who became an Orthodox Christian maybe 18 months ago now and uh, has quite quite a remarkable conversion story. But he is, uh, I think, really thoughtful in trying to sort through some of the political tensions of the moment and think about them from a deeper religious perspective as well. And in this particular essay... He does a nice job showing how even in a supposedly secular culture, uh, so many of the the issues we we cling to, whether it be issues about the nation or uh, you know follow the science or any of these sort of authorities we we turn to to make sense of our world, um, they often get endowed with a kind of religious meaning that uh, they shouldn't bear. You know, uh, the the heart is an idol-making factory. When you displace God from the center of your life, then we turn to other sources of authority to to set up in its place, in God's place. So, um, yeah, I think the other person who's really good on on this is Bill Kavanaugh. He's got a couple books on nationalism in particular, but other forms of substitutes for for God as the ultimate authority in our life and how that, that can really warp our thinking and our politics. One of my uh, favorite uh, observations that he makes in this piece um, is a quote by G.K. Chesterton, who I very much love, um, and I appreciate uh, this quote. The Americans have established a Thanksgiving Day to celebrate the fact that the Pilgrim Fathers reached America. The English might well establish another Thanksgiving Day to celebrate the happy fact that the Pilgrim Fathers left England. (laughs) Uh, That's a great quote from Chesterton, right? Uh. Right. The things that we celebrate and the things that we think, you know, hey, this is worthy of my acknowledging God's goodness and his grace, his provision, obviously his, you know, his plan. You know, these are the good works God planned in advance for me. There's there is another side to every single at least one other side to every single one of those um, prayers. I think that when I think, Jeff, about the prayers that let's say I'm asked to pray when there is a child, um, in need of an organ transplant, and the family is asking for prayers um, that you know the organ would be made available. And I am, of course, thinking to myself, "You are asking me to pray for the death of a currently healthy child in order that your currently sick child might be made well." Like we, there are, there are so many sides to the conversation, and our perspective is often so narrow and so limited. Uh, and so when we are praying. We we I think we have to be focused on God's perspective and an acknowledgement and a willingness to pray. Thy will be done, no matter what. 
Like, thy will be done. I, I don't see what you see. I don't understand the full scope of your holiness in, in, in this matter and how it, you might choose to express it. I don't have my eye on, you know, the full scope of redemptive history. I can only see this moment in my life and acknowledge my need for you in it. Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, it's a, there's a reason that that's the prayer, both in the, at the heart of the Lord's prayer, but then also that Christ prays on Gethsemane. Um, and it, it, among other things, it properly locates us as uh, creatures uh, who are dependent and obedient to God, uh, even when we don't understand his will or what's what's going on. Um, so it's properly humbling, I guess. Properly humbling. Yeah, I think this entire conversation about the holiness of God and um, my proclivity toward uh, idolatry, um, that's yeah. a good thats a good way of framing it. All right, we have to take a very, very brief break. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeff Bilbro from Grove City College. We are um, reading from uh, his post called The Water Dipper, which you can find at Front Porch Republic dot com. And when we come back, we're going to seek to answer the question, who believes in democracy? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So we're trying to think through the matters of the day. We're trying to apply the mind of Christ in order that we as Christians might walk our faith out into the world that God so loves and do so in ways that honor Jesus, which means we read widely and we uh, consider the viewpoints of others and we seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear in those conversations. So we are looking at uh, the Water Dipper, which is an aggregated list of things that uh, Professor Jeff Bilbro puts together at FrontPorchRepublic.com, helping us to you know widen uh, the scope of what we're reading and what we're considering as Christians in terms of, let's say, what's on the menu in in, in our reading list uh, week in and week out. So, um, Jeff, you tee up this conversation, uh, the the title of which is just provocative uh, enough. Um, and it's a it's an opinion piece by Ross Douthat in the New York Times. And and the title is actually so you think the Republican Party no longer represents the people. Um, I'm choosing to simply ask the question, um, who believes in democracy? Because I think it gives us an opportunity to talk about um, the wide scope of what he's covering in this piece, as opposed to just the clickbait of the title. Yeah, that's right. And I think he does a nice job in this piece of kind of uh, challenging people on all sides of the political spectrum, I guess, and saying, do you really, uh, are you really committed to the democratic process and to gaining voter support for your preferred policy initiatives? Or are you more willing to just call out the other side when you they do things you don't like and, uh, and then whenever you have the power enact your preferred policies despite perhaps not being uh, popular. So, you know, there's obviously uh, a lot in the news these days about uh, January 6th and uh, the whole election fraud controversy from Trump's uh, re-election. And I think uh, Douthat is, you know, quite clear on this, that, yeah, there's a, there are some large factions in the Republican Party who would rather have Trump uh, stay president, even if he didn't win the election. Uh, if, if we could find some way of, you know, some legal backdoor of making that happen. And he says, that's, that's a problem. We shouldn't do that. On the other hand, 
there are, you know, people who are upset that a school board in Tennessee, uh, to, through a democratically elected process, decided that a particular book, Mouse, shouldn't be part of the, the uh, particular curriculum. And they want, you know, unelected teachers or, or bureaucrats to be able to uh, enforce their preferred stances. So I think it's a good challenge to, to people on all sides of the debate to, to take a step back, try to cool off, and um, recognize that the means are perhaps as important, more important than the ends to which they're exercised. And that if we want to, you know, ram through our preferred policies, then other people are going to perhaps do the same thing uh, with their preferred policies. So this was a little uh, exercise that we did at home. We own a lot of books. I mean, a lot of books. That's good. Uh, there's, uh, I, I'm, I think that only the dining room um, is in our house does not have a bookshelf. Uh, and so I simply asked the question, all right, so let's just say we let um, some group of people from our church, because that would be the group of people who, you know, we would say we're in mutual um, yep. fellowship with and building one another up in Christ. Okay, so let's just say that in the same way that the school board is saying, you know, parents are going to go in and they're going to, you know, check and see that everything in the school library is appropriate for every child in the school. Well, I'm assuming I know every child in the school and the morality and standards of their own parents, of the parents of that household. But I just said, I just looked at my family and I'm like, look, if we let uh, the people of our church come in and look at every single book on our bookshelves, they're going to find some books that are totally heretical. I mean, like obscenely heretical. And that's because I read what the people on the other side of the arguments that I am making, I want to read what there's. I have Peter yeah. Singer on my yeah. bookshelves, right? I mean, you know, I I want to know what the most offensive arguments against God and his goodness. I want to know what the most offensive arguments are. And I want to actually be able to um, articulate those positions as well as the people on that side of the argument, because I don't want to ever be surprised in a conversation um, you know, that they might bring up some point that I, to which I don't have an answer. So, uh, you know, um, so you're going to see things on, I mean, we've got a Quran in our house. I don't know. What, are, do Christians think that's okay? It was handed to me on the Temple Mount. Um, I brought it home. I find it interesting. I own a Book of Mormon. Um, I mean, I just, I guess I'm thinking to myself as we're, well, Anne, let me just go ahead and confess, you know, uh, we own every book in the Harry Potter series and probably some other, you know, seemingly witchcraft oriented things. Now, there may be people listening right now who, I mean, I just set their hair on fire. Like they're like, I can't imagine that she's letting her children like watch or read these things. Okay. At age appropriate levels and in conversation and with a lot of discussion about the fact that these aren't Christian books, these are fantasy books. Um, and in the same way, we read the Chronicles of Narnia, and we don't imagine that the white witch featured in there, um, you know, is the one to whom we're bowing down. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's a level of discernment and conversation that's necessary that seems to be utterly missing in the conversations of the day. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Christians need to need to read widely and need to, uh, in, you know, lovingly and thoughtfully engage with people that we might disagree with politically or theologically. And if we can't do that charitably and uh, honestly, then we probably shouldn't expect that uh, people who disagree with us will extend the same courtesy to Christian um, ideas. So, yeah, I think we have to model that 
that uh, loving posture that we hope others would adopt as well. In our in our collective reading here, um, as a part of what we're doing in our read through the Bible here at Faith Radio, we're reading uh, the Book of Acts, and and you know we're we're now in Acts chapter nine because it's the ninth day of February. But yesterday, uh, in Acts chapter eight, like we read about the conversion of a magician, and yeah. I'm thinking to myself, how many of us are actively engaged now with people who are practicing very dark arts and engaged in very dark things, how many of us are putting ourselves in the kind of relationship with those individuals that they would not only see Christ in us, but that they would hear the good news of the gospel and be, uh, and be drawn to him? I mean, there's a proximity issue here as well. Yeah. Yeah, very true. All right. I know. We got we got to get on with the day. Um, Jeff, as always, what a delight to talk with you. I so appreciate you aggregating things um, on the Water Dipper because um, you draw me to read things that I would otherwise not read. So you guys need to grab the Water Dipper. Jeff Bilbro is uh, the aggregator or author of it. You can find it at frontporchrepublic.com. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. How are you praying for others today? Just encourage you to be praying for me, and I'll be praying for you. You can always text your prayer concerns to 877-933-2484. My colleague Susie Larson is doing a live event tomorrow night. You can get all the details uh, at myfaithradio.com. You'll follow us on YouTube or like us on Facebook so that you'll get notified when we go live, and that way you won't miss a thing. Uh, So tomorrow's live event with Susie Larson. Get all the info at myfaithradio.com. So I read this headline, and I'm going to put this in the category of never say never again. Uh, A young man named Michael Riccati had his spinal cord completely severed five years ago. So just, just imagine the prognosis that this man heard from doctors. What, what did he hear from doctors when his spinal cord was completely severed five years ago? Well, he heard that you will never walk again. That's what he heard. But a team of Swiss researchers uh, developed and then implanted a device that uh, is now enabling Michael Rocati, who has been paralyzed for five years, to walk again. Yep. Uh, he uh, he can walk again because of this electrical implant surgically attached to his spine. Someone with this kind of injury has never been able to walk like this before. And so, you know, even though researchers stress this is not a cure for every kind of spinal injury, um, that the technology is is too complicated to be used um Right now, uh, you know, in a wide scale, but nonetheless, major step in improving this one individual's life and obviously applicable to others. So he talks about it being um, this this technology being a gift. And he says, you know, I can stand up. I can walk where I want to go. uh, I can go up and down stairs. I have almost a normal life. Um, And so this conversation about 
things that will never happen, and yet the things that technology makes possible. I want us to be the people who praise God from whom all blessings flow. Give God the glory and the credit. Give God um, glory for the great things that he has done. Give him glory today for stewardship and imagination and hope and resources and hard work and a never-give-up attitude. Um, And give him uh, glory that he makes people walk again. Like when we read a biblical testimony, uh, let's say of Peter and John at the beautiful gate uh, of the of the temple, and there is the person asking for alms, and they say, you know, I don't, we don't, silver and gold have I none, but I give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man does, and he enters into the temple for the first time. Um, and so when we think about what God is doing and the miracles God is performing today, you know, let's not miss the ones that God is performing through technology and medicine as well. And let's be sure to give him the glory um, in each and every circumstance. Ruth Kramer joins us every uh, every other week from Mission Network News. She takes us around the globe and helps us see what is happening with our Christian brothers and sisters in a number of places. So next up, Ruth Kramer, what in the world is going on in the world? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. has gone before. Joining us again today, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find what we're discussing today at missionnews.org. Ruth, welcome back. Good morning. Thank you so much. So we um, we have added a signal in Rapid City, South Dakota, and so this is uh, their first opportunity to, um, to to hear you. And so why don't you introduce us to Mission Network News, tell people what is covered on the website, um, because I think that's a good uh, introductory point for them. Okay. Well, Mission Network News is uh, a news program. It actually started as a radio program. Um, and now we've expanded to web content because we are looking at the current events through the lens of the Great Commission. And in every story, we are inviting the body of Christ to some kind of response. You can pray, you can give, sometimes you can go, you can certainly advocate on behalf of the situation that we are trying to describe. And really what we're trying to do is uh, raise the awareness of the body of Christ in North America, although we are an international organization, um, we're just trying to raise the awareness of the body of Christ to what else is happening around the world um, because we are one body and and encourage a response. Uh, We ask the question, um, what more could God do through his people if his people knew how to pray? Amen. I love it. I love how you equip us, inform and equip us um, each time we talk. So let's talk about uh, a couple of headlines that I'm looking at at uh, at Mission News. And the first one is Amnesty International says laws in Israel-Palestine amount to apartheid. That is a pretty strong um, statement. So tell us, um, you know, t- tell us what we're uh, what we're looking at here. Well, uh, the beginning of February, and Amnesty International released a report uh, and an investigation that they were doing um, that it, about the uh, Palestinians who were living in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. And in their report, they um, cited evidence that made them decide 
that uh, Israel's treatment about, uh, of the Palestinians amounts to apartheid. They are calling on the International Criminal Court to consider a crime of apartheid in its current investigation. Um, and they're not necessarily drawing parallels to South Africa, but they are looking at it under the Apartheid Convention and under the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. So just by making that accusation, it just sets off this huge flurry of activity because apartheid is a really strong word. It's a mm -hmm. very strong accusation. Um, it's kind of bold because um, it's, I mean, you, you just have to consider how long it's taken South Africa to deal with its state of affairs mm -hmm. there. Um, so it's kind of opened a, 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 just a whole can of worms in this whole thing. Um, and in this situation, you know, we, we wanted to talk about the issues because you've got Israel that's saying that's anti-Semitic, um, and you've got Amnesty saying, but your treatment of the Palestinians is wrong. And you've got the Palestinians who are in the midst of all of this. And we wanted to talk about the situation but none of our partners felt very comfortable about that because it's it's a hot potato. No matter what you say, you're going to upset somebody. And sometimes when you upset somebody too much, that results in backlash and it prevents your ministry from going forward. And we didn't want to cause more problems for ministries that are working in these areas. But we felt like this was an important discussion. Um, so we talked to one of our partners at Bethlehem Bible College, one of their uh, staff members is actually an international human rights attorney, and he's a believer. So we're trying to get as as broad a base of um, all sides of the issue as we possibly can. And when we talked to him about that, he said um, that international law has a clear definition of what constitutes apartheid as a crime. Uh, it is a system of separation of one group from a, from the others. It is racial usually, and it gives um, a legal protection to one group uh, over the other. And mm -hmm. so you've, you've got this, this definition here, um, and is what is happening to the Palestinians apartheid? Well, we're not gonna say yes or no on that. That's not what the purpose of the article is. What it is saying is, um, here's the issue, this is the definition of apartheid. And um, remember that we have to separate the Jewish people from Israel, from the state of Israel. Um, yeah, there's a, to... there's, a, there's, a, there's a large, complex conversation. I thought that the, um, that the second piece on this topic, Four Tips for Navigating Israel-Palestine Debates, um, that's also at Mission News, I thought this was a particularly helpful list. Um, that's provided by Uncharted Ministries that works with both Palestinian and Jewish communities on both sides of this conversation. They say, refuse to give labels, define your worldview by God's word, uh, not man's. Don't let headlines cause you to despise either side. Weigh the facts and consider more than one source of information. I thought that the quote from um, the Palestinian activist Bassam Eid on this was really important. Um, Israel is not an apartheid state. While it's not a perfect country, it's definitely not an apartheid state. Um, and so I thought, uh, I, I think that um, folks are going to want to read both articles. You know, you can read the accusations brought by Amnesty International. Um, that has drawn the conclusion that Israel is uh, committing apartheid against the Palestinian people. 
Um, but then I also would recommend that you read the balance piece, which is four tips for navigating Israel-Palestine debates. Both of those articles are available to you at missionnews.org. Ruth, let's um, let's let's pivot to Malaysia um, and talk about um, uh, Raymond Co. I think there's a lot of people who um, are going to have no idea who Raymond Co. is um, or what's going on here. Raymond, uh, Pastor Raymond Coe is, uh, was an activist. He was an evangelist in Malaysia. Um, and there were some issues that had cropped up, uh, during the course of his ministry where, um, he was being threatened. Uh, in Malaysia, it is illegal to evangelize Malay Muslims. And the constitution actually prevents Malays from converting to other religions. So that means that the church that he was pastoring uh, was being monitored by the government. And shortly before his abduction, he had been sent a threat in the mail. Uh, he just, some bullets arrived in the mail, and that's pretty clear what's being said there. Um, but he continued to do his work, and on the way home from a meeting, um, he just disappeared. Uh, there was some CCTV footage of his uh, kidnapping, and it was very clear that whoever took him uh, was organized, was had military um, training, and um, knew exactly what they were going to do, how they were going to do it, and had been watching him for some time. So, you know, he just disappeared off the face of the earth. And that prompted a lot of international outcry because there was footage, because there were uh, people who were advocating on behalf of uh, Raymond Co. and Christians in Malaysia, because he's not the only pastor that's just disappeared. In 2016 and 2017, a number of pastors disappeared in a similar fashion. Uh, and there were several investigations that came about as a result of this particular case. And it came out uh, that the findings of the, the, the investigations indicated that the state actually is responsible for kidnapping Raymond Co. His, the anniversary of his kidnapping is coming up on February 13th. Five years later, we still have no idea where he is or where any of those pastor leaders uh, are. And so, you know, our partners that are working in these areas, uh, Voice of the Martyrs USA, are all saying continue to pray for believers in Malaysia, especially the church leaders and the evangelists, because um, the state is watching them and it's not a friendly kind of an eye. Um, and pray, I think, for boldness in this case, because uh, we don't want necessarily the the fear of these kinds of actions to silence uh, the gospel. Um, so be praying again for um, for boldness, for courage, and you know, if it is God's will that these men would be found and return to their families. We uh, we're reading the book of Acts in community with one another uh, here at Faith Radio. And so we're reading a chapter of Acts each day during the month of February. And so a couple of nights ago here at our house, we read about uh, the stoning of Stephen. And uh, and then yesterday about, you know, the persecution of the church that grew out of that and Saul's particular uh, participation in that. And we were reminded um, that terrible things, terrible, terrible things have been happening to Christians since the very first generation of the church. And we often, um, because of the relative uh, peace that we experience here and the extraordinary freedom we have in the United States of America and North America in general, um, we, we live really far from the realities of Christians who 
deal with the disappearance of their pastor or the slaughter of innocents because of their faith. And it's it's critical that you um, continue to bring us these stories and keep keep them front of mind, because these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. These are the people with whom we're going to spend eternity. Um, and so our concern for them is deep, and, and we must be reminded of it frequently. So, uh, Ruth, thank you, as always, for that. We're talking with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. Um, we are going to turn our attention to what is happening in the Democratic Republic of the Congo next. This is a look around the world, what in the world is going on in the world from a Christian perspective through the lens of the Great Commission. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Ruth Kramer is joining us again today from Mission Network News. You can read... um, Articles across a range of countries and topics uh, that may be of particular interest to you. Just go to missionnews.org and search for the country you're interested in. For the person who is asking about Afghanistan, there are a number of um, a very recent articles here about extremist violence surging in the region, uh, Afghanistan replacing North Korea on the top of the world watch list, something we have talked about here on the, sh- on, the on the program, um, world mission reports from an Af- uh, Afghan refugee camp where thousands of refugees have fled the Taliban, um, on and on and on and on. So uh, if you're interested in a particular country and what's happening there, um, missionnews.org, and then just search for the country that's of particular particular interest to you. Ruth, let's turn our attention to the Democratic Republic of the Congo um, and and what is happening there. Well, there's an area that's right on the border in the northeast. It's uh, the Aturi province, and it's a mineral-rich part of the country uh, that is really under, um, well, it's the center of a number of fights for control. Um, So you've got an ethnic issue that's going on right there, and you have a fight over resources. And so you've got maybe three or four different um, armed militias that are roaming the area trying to exert their control. Uh, And they're attacking villages, they're attacking uh, soft targets to try to, uh, I guess, show who's the most powerful. And in this case, uh, one of the groups attacked uh, an internet uh, an IDP camp. It's a refugee camp, right on the border, and uh, it was a it was a slaughter. It was terrible uh, to see what happened. But I guess the question was, uh, are we going to see more of these kinds of attacks? And we reached out to our partner, World Missionary Press, who has a team that's working in Plain Savo, which is the refugee camp that was attacked. Uh, the concern is that this is going to be uh, an ongoing pattern throughout the year. Um, again, it's soft targets. These are people who can't defend themselves, and it makes a statement. So they're going to be the targets of a lot of different things when uh, an armed group wants to make a, a statement on something. Um, World Missionary Press says that uh, the security concerns are uh, growing, and so they're going to have to take some some steps to make sure that um, they're able to continue to do their work. What's really neat about the, mis- the the ministry of World Missionary Press is that it's very inexpensive to print the pamphlets, to get them shipped out, to get them into the hands of partners, and they're able to just distribute these on a um, mass scale. So they're in the camps providing humanitarian uh, aid. 
you know, uh, the food, the, the shelter, the clothing, the water. And they're also giving people a hope because they're in a situation where hope seems like it's abandoned them. And this team is out there acting as the hands and feet of Christ and saying, that's not the only hope. If you're looking for peace, let me share with you what gives me a source of peace. And then they share with them the gospel. And it's in these printed booklets that they're handing out um, continuously in a lot of places, not only in, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, but in a lot of other areas that is that are all high scale, uh, high value um difficult places around the world. Be praying for the teams that are working through World Missionary Press because they're just not going to be stopped. They're going to be in places that are at risk because they know that the people who need the gospel most are the ones who are searching for hope. I had a question um, recently, Ruth, um, just a person asking know, what do we perceive to be the most critical global issues of the day? And in researching the answer to that question, the answer is completely dependent on who you ask and what their focus of concern is. Um, Some people will say water scarcity or the scarcity of, you know, access to clean water. Some people will say food insecurity or the scarcity of food. Others will um, give a a much more maybe broad climate answer to the question. They'll talk about the loss the loss of, of biodiversity um, or those kinds of things. Um, some of them, you know, will we'll talk about ocean conservation or on and on and on. Um, not, I mean, on nobody's list, on nobody's list, you know, is the gospel, the need for the gospel. And so when we're having conversations about um, the way Christians are operating around the world, to serve the least of these. At the forefront of every single one of these ministries is the reality that what people need most is the gospel. Yeah. You know, a third of the world's population has never been introduced to Jesus Christ. When you look at, you break those numbers down, it's like 150,000 people dying every day without an an introduction to Jesus Christ. And Mm. are we okay with that? Do we have the ability to change that? And um, we do. I mean, you either believe that God is who he says he is, or you don't. Hmm. 150,000 people dying every day without the knowledge of the hope of the gospel. Like that, when we talk about the critical needs of the world, and we talk about the critical needs of our neighbors, um, that ought to make our, well, that ought to fill our prayers and uh, activate um, us as as Christians. Like nobody else is going to give people the gospel. Um, others may give them food and water and shelter and uh, and access to medicine and on and on and on, but nobody else is going to give them the gospel. And so thank you for bringing these gospel ministries to the forefront of our conversation around the world. Thank you for helping us see and hear about the testimonies of Christians in places where we will never set foot, but o- over which we can certainly give prayer cover today. So to be equipped to come alongside Christian brothers and sisters around the world in efforts in every place, please go to missionnews.org. Find a country that's of concern to you or a particular issue that's of concern to you. Do a little research. um, Find the organizations that are activated in those places. Those are the ministry partners of Mission Network News. um, And so encourage you to connect with them as you feel so led. Ruth, as always, thank you so much for joining us on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio.
Let's see, one month and a few days into the new year. And for those of us who made a commitment to, I don't know, a healthier lifestyle, maybe eating better, maybe sleeping more, maybe exercising more, whatever your list was at the beginning of the year, how are you doing on that? Well, here's a little encouragement today. I'm reading this from CNN Health. Uh, It's talking about the benefits of what we'll just call the optimized diet. An optimized diet is one that is, well, not the typical Western diet. Apparently, the typical Western diet, you know, not only features red meat, but a lot of processed food and refined sugar. The optimized diet does not. And guess what? Based on an optimized diet, now, now here's the caveat. You'd have to start the optimized diet at age 20 to get these particular benefits. So many of us are way past that. But it doesn't mean that there aren't benefits at at any and every age. But if a person began eating this optimized diet at the age of 20, they could actually increase their lifespan by somewhere between 10 and 13 years. That's pretty incredible. (laughs) Pretty long period of time. What would you do with an extra decade? Or what are you missing the opportunity to do by cutting your life short by a decade? That might be another way of thinking about this. Good conversations to have today about what we put in. You know, Jesus talks about, uh, you know, not only what goes into a man, but what comes out of one. Um, And so let's be thinking about these bodies that God has given us as temples of the Holy Spirit, that we can actually operate in the world that he so loves and do so with energy and uh, resilience and I don't know, some zippiness. There you go. Let's take care of these temples of the Holy Spirit today. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.